This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Yes, sir. I am your host. This is the Pick'em Podcast, UFC Auckland this Saturday. Jack to the gills for this one. This is a good card. This is better than next week. Next week is uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Love the main event next week. We're going to see a new flyweight champion with uh, Devison and, and Joe B. I've become a big fan of Joe B over the years. And then uh, after that, you got, I believe you got 248. So this is a decent little card. I went over it top to bottom, fine tooth comb, picking out the winners. Main event. I mean, you're not going to get a better 155 pound fight. You're just not. I mean, unless it involves Khabib and Connor, not them together, but like, Outside them fighting someone else with each other, this is this is top top of the food chain. Both guys are right there. This fight's gonna put them over the top, right? Um, really, really competitive. Oops, I just dropped my marker. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm excited for this fight. Excited for this card. This is a good weekend. You got Fury. You got Wilder. I'll give you my pick on that. Even though I'm not a boxing expert, like I don't pick boxing that much. I do have thoughts on that. We'll do that before we do. The Auckland card, uh, kind of a slow news week. The only thing that's been going on, Luke Thomas and Ariel both did it. They did interviews with Diego Sanchez's uh, cornerman, Joshua Fabia, and Diego Sanchez, and I think it's unfair. They're getting criticized, and it's just Luke did it. Like, Ariel did it to to do it, right, because it's the hot topic, and maybe ESPN's like, we got to get this crazy guy on. Luke did it because I think you know Luke pushed him a little more than Ariel did. It's kind of like a sideshow. Like, you can't take this guy seriously. You just really can't. Like, Emil Meek came out, who's fighting this weekend. He said that when he trained with Diego for a little bit uh, in Vegas, the Fabia guy was chasing around in the cage with a knife. So they move. Uh, that's a little extreme. And then he told, uh, I just found out before I got on here, when when Diego fought Chiesa, where Chiesa controlled the entire fight and basically 30-25, 30-24 Diego the entire fight, uh, Fabia told the Nevada Athletic Commission, like, hey, just want to let you know that my guy might murder Kies in there just to be on the lookout. There might be a death. He might kill him. That's crazy, right? I don't want to address it too much because obviously this guy obviously has some kind of mental problems. I know it's fun to make fun of these people. I'm going to continue to make fun of them, but I don't want to put him, you know, I don't want to put him, give him his 15 minutes of fame. I don't want to talk about him too much like these guys are doing. I get it. It's the hot topic, slow week, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just think we got to let it lie because this, I mean, the guy's, the guy's certifiably nuts and he's not helping Diego's career. He's not helping Diego at all. So that's really the only bit of news. I think, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something else here. Yeah. Nope. Okay. So before we get the Auckland Fury Wilder twos this weekend, uh, I've seen the first fight a bunch of times. Very excited for this fight. I don't get super excited for heavyweight fights in general, especially boxing, but these are two of the best heavyweights in the world. Joshua and uh, Andy Reeds, which we talked about on the podcast before, that fight stunk. This fight can't stink, right? Uh, Tyson Fury just came out and said that he literally cut back his Diet Coke habit of 20 or 30 a day. Huh? 20 or 30 a day. This dude said he was drinking. He cut back. I don't know if he stopped altogether or if he just cut back, but 20 or 30 a day and he's made it this far as a professional heavyweight athlete is crazy. I mean, Diet Coke's Diet Coke. I, my one biggest vice, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke, I don't drink. I like a good soda. I go regular soda, but man, 20 or 30 a day, I go about two. On the weekends, maybe three. Then even after three, I'm like, oh, I can't. I shouldn't have any more. I can't, right? 20 or 30 Diet Cokes a day. Woo. That aspartame or whatever, that fake sugar in that is not good for you guys. Not good for you. 
Um, but for the fight itself, I'm not a big Fury fan. I, I think he's talented. I think Dante's talented. Fury's the better boxer. Deontay's the better puncher. Um, Fury's going to weigh heavy. He's going to weigh 270-ish, they said, which is pretty big. Um, I know he's he's a, he's a big guy anyway, so 270 is not crazy. He does look pretty good. He looks in pretty good shape. He's kind of covered up today at the press conference. Wilder's going to come in at like 219, 220. He's, he's, a, he's on the smaller end. Um, first fight was very close. You know, Wilder stole, you know, basically made it a draw with that, that almost knockout in that last round. But I just, I, I just don't like Fury's personality. I don't like what he represents. I don't like his views on things. I think he's kind of annoying. Um, I think he's a talented fighter, but I, you know, I think with the switching camps coming in heavier, some of the things he's been saying this week, I know it may be selling the fight, but he's just, he seems a little off to me. You know, he's going in there saying he's going to knock him out in two rounds. He's not that big of a puncher. He doesn't have that many knockouts. You go in there looking for a knock on a Wilder, you're probably going to get knocked out, right? Uh, he's been dropped by Wilder at least twice, two or three times. I think twice in the first fight. Wilder's power's crazy. I'm going to go Wilder. I think FanDuel has a thing right now that if you place 50 bucks and it goes, uh, if it gets stopped before the sixth round, like you win like a bonus, so go check that out. I'm not sponsored for FanDuel. I do love FanDuel, but a buddy of mine just sent that to me. I would probably take that. I think Wilder's going to knock him out. If not... It'll probably be similar to the first fight. But, yeah, a lot is going on with Fury. Switch camps. You know, he loved his old coach. Switch camps to he's training in Vegas now. And, and, and it just seems a little off to me. I could be wrong. It could be all for a show. But let's get to what matters, right? This isn't boxing takes. This is MMA takes, guys. Okay? MMA takes. We got New Zealand this weekend. There is 13 fights, and I think I don't like two of them, right? Like, I would, I'm going to watch all of them. I'm not going to bet all of them, but there's probably two fights where I'm like, okay, maybe I can go take a shit on that one. Maybe I could go make a, make some tacos during this fight. First fight of night, one of them. Shannon Dobson versus Priscilla Cacciarella. Shannon Dobson, 3-3, three and three, shouldn't be in the UFC. Devin and I spoke about this forever ago. Uh, lost her last fight. Not really sure how she's still in the UFC. I guess contractually, they owe her a fight. She's fighting Priscilla Corsuela, the girl who is 0-3 in the UFC. I mean, whoever loses has to be cut at this point, right? This is a girl they fed to Valentina Shevchenko and just got, and Valentina just like brutalized her. Um, yeah, she's not very good. However, she is an underdog, and I don't think she adopts. And this is a you classic. Getting a meatball. Let me tell you it again. Let me not talk over the. Let me talk over the clip. This is the most classic as, uh, case of a spaghetti meatball fight. If you like spaghetti and meatball, you don't know who's gonna win. You don't know who's gonna win, right? So I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna pick the underdog. I'm gonna pick Priscilla. I think Shana stinks. I think Priscilla stinks. This is the stink ball, right? Let's see who wins it. I'm going to take the flyer on the underdog. Why not, right? I like, you know, I like getting the underdog points, even though I don't get points because I'm not playing against Devin. But why not, right? Shannon Dobson probably is a good out grappler, and, and both these ladies just probably shouldn't be in the UFC. I don't even know if they're good enough to be an Evicta. I think these girls aren't that talented. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. If you listen to this, I'm not sorry. It's just true. I'm sorry. All right, next fight. Maki Potolo. Peloto is uh, 12 and 5. He's a minus 105. Slight underdog, slight favorite. No, excuse me, slight underdog. Takeshi Soto, who's 15 and 3. He's a minus 125 favorite. Slight favorite. Pick him fight here. Um, this line's been moving. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double check on my lines. I know they're moving a lot. Um, let's see where we got here. I'm not going to take up too much time. Okay, so uh, Maki Potolo now is a plus 120 underdog. So that's interesting. Now he's he's a full fledged underdog. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna make that make that mark. I can see why. Right? He didn't look great in his debut. He lost to Callum Potter, who's fighting on this card as well. 
Callen uh, is a guy who is just heavily grapple based, and Patolo is a good boxer, but didn't really offer much else. Sato's a good striker. Sato can knock you out. Sato can fucking find your chin. He made his UFC debut against Blom, or excuse me, he made his UFC debut against Ben uh, Saunders, knocked him out in the second round. And then uh, he lost to Bilal Muhammad in the rear naked choke in the third round. Bilal just too good of a, too good, smart of a fighter, too well-rounded of a fighter. I don't think Maki is that well-rounded. I think he's heavy boxer-based. He's from the, he's from the United States, but I think he's Samoan, Polynesian, so you know he's going to represent from this part of the world. Uh, Takachi Soto, again, a guy who I looked up tape on, and, and sometimes he's really impressed me with striking, sometimes... He's a bit wild, right? Um, I don't think he has... Uh, I think he has good power. I think he's good size for this division. And uh, it, it's a tough fight. This is one of the tougher fights to pick because I like Patola. He looked really good in the contender series. He worked the body really, really well. He looked like shit in his UFC debut. <sighs> I'm going to go Soto. I'm going to go favorite. I'm going to go the favorite on this one, uh, Takashi Soto, because I just think his striking is going to be a little better. I think Patola, uh, Maki slowed down. Uh, in the Potter fight, I don't think this will be grappling based. I think they're going to probably measure each other's distance or they're going to just go for it. Um, Maki's going to want to put on a show for, you know, for his heritage or whatever. And, and Soto needs a, needs a win here. Uh, he was a highly touted guy coming into the UFC. He has a good record. A lot of Japanese fighters aren't really fighting in the UFC that much anymore. I, I can, I can only name maybe five of them. And I don't even think I can name five. I just made that number up. But Soto's one of the guys that, you know, he's the, he's the uh, Japanese striker, you know, and he's got good boxing. He's like almost like the new Gomi. Like Gomi used to sleep people. Like this guy has that power. He needs to prove it in UFC. I mean, knocking out Ben Saunders is one thing. Knocking out this young, hungry kid, you know, coming out the contender series is a big one. I'm going to go Soto. I'm going to take that. I kind of like that bet. Um, I like the number, even though he's a favorite. Um, it's a tough fight to pick, though. I don't know if I would put this in a parlay. I feel like this might be a single bet. Don't fuck up a parlay with this fight because this really, really could go either way. Very, very tough fight to pick. I can see this being 50-50 on... Uh, uh, I haven't really listened to many other people's picks this week. I've been a little busy, so I haven't really got a chance to uh, listen to other podcast picks, who they like, but uh, I like Soto, and uh, I, I can see this being pretty split. I can see Patolo being a nice little uh, underdog play. All right, next up, Loma Lokobimo. <laughs> let, me, let me do that again. Take two, Loma Loma. Look a boomy nailed it four and one. She's a plus 165 underdog. She's fighting Angela Lee 11 and seven minus 205 favorite. Angela Lee steps up on short nose, flies across the fucking world to fight this Tiger Moore type product. She is, I think she's 0 one or one and oh in the UFC. Did she win her debut? Can't remember. Yeah, she won her debut. Uh, yeah, she won her debut. Her only loss is, is forever. Yeah, so she won her debut. Uh, Alexa Abu by split decision. Uh, I haven't seen this girl fight. I, I I looked up Tate. I looked up some training footage of her. You know, she trains at Tiger Muay Thai. Very small. Doesn't look very devastating. Angela Hill is a good striker, good stand-up. She has good Muay Thai herself. She's going to be bigger in there. I feel like she has more a well-rounded game, and I think she has more power. She's got those elbows. She's got those kicks. I don't think Loma's really going to come out and shock Angela Hill here. I don't love Angela this high, but I think it makes sense. She is taking the fight on short notice. She just fought a couple weeks ago. She's traveling across the country. Of course, she's in good shape. Of course, she's going to come in shape. But that travel takes a lot out of you. I mean, that, that can fuck with you. And uh, she just fought not too long ago. So, But I still like Angela Hill. I think she's head and shoulders better than Loma everywhere. I just, If she looks flat or if she comes out looking pretty drained, I think it's the travel maybe being a little too active. But I think there's a good fight for her. I'm glad she took this on short notice because uh, we, uh, we need some contenders. And, and I think Angela Hill is talented. 
Um, needs to work on a couple other things, but his talent, I think, this is a good win for him. All right, next up, Kai Carr France, who is 20 and 8. He's a minus 265 favorite. He's fighting T- Tyson Nam, who is 18, 10, and 1, who's a plus 205. This line to me doesn't make much sense. Kai Carr France is coming off a loss to Brandon Moreno. Uh, a fight where he was a favorite to win that fight, and Moreno just came out and, and outboxed him, essentially. Didn't really grapple. Did what Kai Carr France is known for. He's known for really good striking. Tyson Nam's a big, powerful guy. If he doesn't get out, it doesn't get you out of there with shots. He usually loses. His last fight was against Sergio Pettis, and Pettis kind of just really outpointed him and out and out just outmaneuvered him and just really just had an overall better game. I remember I took Tyson Nam as an underdog there. I thought his power could catch Sergio. Sergio has had some chin problems in the past, but wasn't the case. Ty, um, Tyson was just really flat. His boxing looked predictable. He got taken down. He got, you know, Sergio hit and moved whenever he want. Kai Carl France is, is very similar to that. He has good stand-up. He does move really well. Um, his takedowns are coming along. His ground game isn't like super in depth. Like I don't think he's like going to submit Tyson, but I think he can really outpoint him here. I think he's going to be a workhorse. He'll be on his bike. He's the first guy from City Kickboxing fighting on this card. This is a big card for City Kickboxing. They're like the hottest gym right now. He's the first one up, uh, and he, you know he's from New Zealand and, and trains in New Zealand. So this is the first, I believe, the first New Zealand guy fighting on the card. So this is the crowd's going to be jacked up for this one, right? And I think Kai Car Francis could come out. He's going to use his maneuvers. He's going to use his footwork. He's going to use his positioning. He's going to use his hands to kind of dance around Tyson, slow Tyson down, maybe mix up some takedowns and really take this fight over. I don't see a finish happening. Kai Carr does have some decent stand-up, but I don't see him being like a big power guy. Tyson has the more power. Um, I saw the stare down yesterday or today. I can't remember. And Tyson looked pretty big. So uh, maybe the weight cut might affect him or not. I don't know. He's 18 and 10. He's been around for a while. He's fought a lot of good competition. He's lost a lot of good competition. I just see Kai Carr win here. However, I hate the line. I That's way, way, way too high for me. Um, too, too high for Kai Carr France, who's coming off a loss. I know this is hometown and all that, but uh, it, it's 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 too much. I got I got a tweet here. Let's see who this is. <laughs> my buddy. Uh, my, my, my. Oh, there you go. This uh, I tweeted on my personal account. I don't know if you guys seen this. Sorry to, I, I'm taking Kai Car France. If I didn't say that, Kai Car France don't like the line. Don't bet it, buddy. I tweeted on my personal account. There's this the little boy, nine years old. That they there's a video going around Twitter. He's crying his eyes out. He got bullied, and someone's videoing him asking like the internet for help. This kid want, said he wanted to kill himself, and it broke me down. Like it 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 just crushed me. So I never ever retweet sad stories and. You know, I did. I, I see them and I and I try to avoid them because you know it's like I'm. I I can't help. I can't do nothing to help, right? Um, but I retweeted and I, and I commented on it because it just really got to me. Like you know, the bullying is such a big thing in this world, and that's so poor kid, man. He just he just couldn't handle it, and, and it's just unfair, you know. Like you know, it, it happens all the time. And uh, now that I'm a father, and you know, if if my daughter got bullied like that, and was having crazy thoughts like that, what would I do? You know, so. Um, I'm, I saw a lot of people that actually can do something, help out. You know, there's a GoFundMe forum, I believe. And then some famous people were, were kind of maybe writing them words of encouragement, which I think is really cool. And I, and I hope he really gets like, you know, some, some support by someone that can do something. I wish I can, buddy, if you're listening to this, if you're a fan of MMA takes podcast and you're any, I think you're from a different country. I think you, you had a, maybe the lady recording, you had like an English accent, um, or an Australian accent. I'm not sure, but if you are ever in the Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Indiana area, for whatever reason, I'm your guy. I'll treat you to the Skyline Chili, and we'll go out, and we'll have a really good time. And uh, But, yeah, that just broke my heart, and my buddy tweeted at me. Uh, 
But yeah, if you haven't seen that, go look at that video because it's absolutely heartbreaking. All right, back to the fights. Next up, Callum Potter, who is... who? Callum Potter, excuse me. Wait, what? Am I in the right fight? Did they jump fights on me? No, they did. Okay. Callum Potter, who is a plus 155 underdog. He is 18 and 8. He's fighting Keon Sung, who is 15 and 5. He's a minus 190 favorite. Callum Potter coming off the biggest win of his career when he beat uh, Patolo, even though Patolo was a guy not known yet, right? Hasn't really made his work in the UFC. He was a big underdog. Potter came out. I think he's Australian, maybe New Zealand. Can't remember. He's from that part of the world. Another big fight for him here. Keenan Song, no joke. Keenan Song can knock you out. He's got good ground. He's got good submissions. I mean, he's got good groundwork, good submissions, not great submissions, but he can work in the ground. Positions are really good. And um, he's a solid, solid dude, but he's heavy, heavy handed. Um, this is a tough fight to pick as Callum Potter obviously needs to get in there, make it ugly, get this fight to the ground. I just don't know if he can outwork Song. I don't know if he could make it dirty enough to outwork Song. I think Song has enough power in his hands to really hurt Potter. Potter's been knocked out by Jalen Turner before. He's been rattled in some of his earlier fights. I think Song can find his chin. I'm going to take Song here at minus 190, a little beefy. Um, I don't love it because Potter is the hometown guy. He could play spoiler here. If you are um if you are looking for a flyer if you want that like i need an underdog i think there are better options but if you if you have a good sense on potter then i, I don't hate it i just think song's gonna find his chin all right next up jake matthews 15 and 4 he's a minus 230 favorite he's fighting a meal weber meek i didn't know where the weber came from i just called him a meal meek he is nine and four he's a plus 180 underdog boys i got a question for you dogs dogs Oh, dogs. Sure. I like dogs. This is my underdog lock of the night. Surprised? Me too, because I thought it was going to be someone else. But for some reason, I like Emil Meek in this. Listen, Emil Meek's a big, rough, strong fucking dude from like Switzerland or something. Where is he from? Switzerland? I don't know. Finland? He hasn't fought in a while. He hasn't. He didn't fight at all in 2019. He was. He was fixing some holes in this game. He's went around. He's went to America. He's worked on some stuff. His takedown defense was his biggest problem. He's a big, strong dude. He can knock you out. He's fighting Jake Matthews, the Australian Wonder Boy. Everyone loves this kid. I think he's been overrated. I think he's very high here at minus 230. Jake Matthews can easily come in, take a meal, meet down, win a close decision. I think Emil's ready for that. I think Emil has taken some time off to really put some holes in his game that was wrestling defense. Remember, he fought Kamar Usman, and Kamar Usman had a hard time getting him down. That was back in 2018. You got to imagine he's getting better. He and Jake Matthews had a pretty funny stare down. Emil Meek is shredded to shit. He's got good striking. He's a little bit wild, right? He's not the most polished guy in the world, but I see him giving Jake Matthews fits here. Jake Matthews has kind of quit sometimes. When, when the tough gets going, he's kind of quit. I see Emil Meek overwhelming him with some stuff and catching him and then maybe even putting him away with some kind of choke or just winning a decision, a really close decision. It's going to be maybe hard to win a decision down there. Uh, I really like Emil Meek as an underdog. It kind of snuck up on me. I wrote Matthews down. I had to scribble out Matthews, and then I went with Emil Meek. I just think this is a guy that's a little unforgotten, right? And I think... Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to maybe ever crack the top five at 170. I could be wrong, but I think he's made improvements in his game. And physically, I think he looks the best ever. And I think Jake Matthews, sometimes maybe when the tough gets going, it's just too much for him. I think they're striking and possibly just the size he's going to overrun. Jack, Jake Matthews is not a small 170 by any means, but Emil Meek looks fucking ripped. He looks big, boys. 
So that's my underdog guarantee lock of the fucking night. You heard the clip. Let's go. Next up, Jalen Turner, who is eight and five. He's a minus 210 favorite. He is fighting Joshua Kulabo, who is six and oh, eight and oh. He's a plus 170 underdog. Boys. Back to back underdogs. Let me tell you something. Jalen Turner, I see him fight live. I saw him fight Matt Provola. I thought he won that fight. I mean, I thought he was going to win that fight. There's a steamroll, the steamroller. Like how I did that. Uh, but Jalen Turner is chinny. He's been knocked out a handful of times in his career. Joshua Kulabo's making his UFC debut, trains from New Zealand. He trains at, like, uh, I think he trains in Australia, though, but I think he's New Zealand born, maybe? I don't know. They, they, they have very similar flags. I'm sorry they do. I can't, I can't tell the difference. However, I looked up this guy. I didn't know who he was. Good on the ground. Striking is pretty good. He's very patient in there. Um, he's much shorter than Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner is very long for this division, has knockout power, but Turner's only dangerous in that first round. I think this goes to the second round. I think, uh, Calabo has good footwork. I think he can stay away from these crazy exchanges. And I think he can close the distance with his strikes, possibly work a takedown, possibly work a clinch kind of what Favola did. I think he can maybe outwork Turner here. Turner does have some decent cardio, but I don't see him putting his punches, knockout power in that third round. I think Calabo could really outwork him here and win a really good close decision at plus 170. I think he's a steal. I love this underdog pick. Um, I love this fight. I'm really excited to see Calabo uh, undefeated. A lot of he was really heavy at one point. He fights at 145, 155 now. Um, and you know, and he weighed like 300 pounds or something like that. He's like a fat kid his whole life. Now he's fighting 155. I think that means he's gonna be a little bit stronger. Um, he didn't blow me away the videos I watched of him, but I see potential. If he just tightens up a certain certain things, he's a finisher. I think all his wins are by finish besides maybe one. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think Jalen Turner, uh, he had that knockout over Potter, actually, and he's looked pretty good. He's shown some flashes, but I think he's just a little overrated, and I think uh, he's a little ballooned up here at a minus 210. I like uh, I like Calabo at, uh, at the underdog here. That's two back-to-back underdogs. Can I make it three? I don't know. Next up, main card time, Zabora Turkolov, who is 18-4-1. He's fighting Kevin Aguilar, who's 17-2. This line has been moving, boys. Let me let me tell you what it is now. Okay, so it's it's a pick'em. Zubar's a minus one twenty. Aguilar's a minus one ten. So Aguilar is a slight under. Um very, very slight. I had him 115-115. At one point, Zubar was Zubar was the under. And I like that a lot. This is an interesting fight to me because I don't love both guys. I think both guys are a little bit overrated, right? Aguilar has a great record. I've picked against him every single time in the UFC, and he's always bit my ass except the last time he fought. He lost to Danny Ige by unanimous decision. But he showed toughness, and he came back in that fight and almost, you know, really showed a chin, showed cardio, showed everything, showed a really good game. Zubar, last time he fought, was a was a draw, split draw in uh, Abu Dhabi where he gasped bad. I thought he was going to die. Like, the guy was sweating and gassed so bad in Abu Dhabi. I know it was hot there, but he fought Leon Murphy, um, who was making his juice debut, who Zubar was a giant favorite in that fight. Uh, Zubar is a guy I've never been impressed with. Even when he jumped in the cage with Connor, he had a free shot, Connor missed, and Connor caught him with the left. A little bit arrogant, and the one thing that's really kind of drive me away from this guy is the fact that he didn't go like so the he's khabib's right hand guy right khabib's not going to be in new zealand for this fight right i don't khabib just got to aka a week ago right with islam i don't think this guy got to train at aka i think he had a train in dagestan 
what kind of training most times he fights right around Khabib's time and he comes over to AK and gets work. He couldn't do that this time. So how is the training in Dagestan, right? Is he working heavily on wrestling? Because he, he probably going to need to take Aguilar down. I think Zubar has decent striking. I think Aguilar striking is okay. He's a little bit powerful. He's a little bit stiff. He's a little bit slow. Um, this could be a really, really close fight. I, I understand the line. When Zubar was, was the underdog, I really liked it. Now that Aguilar is the slight favorite or is he a slight underdog? What is he? So it's, it's, it's a pick him across the board. Okay, so so Aguilar is a slight under. I'm going to go Kevin Aguilar. I'm going to go Aguilar. I'm not going to play the jingle because I think this line is going to move. I had Zubari written down. I'm going to go with Kevin Aguilar. I think Zubara is going to take, I think him not training at AKA, him not being with Khabib, him training in Dagestan for this entire camp, I think that's going to affect him. I think uh, I think Aguilar is going to just outwork him and have a little bit more. Uh, first round is going to be tough. Zubar comes out hot. He's fast. He's good striker, good grappler. He's not world class like Khabib on the ground, but he can't get you down there. Uh, Aguilar, I think, is tough and can and can get back to his feet. And I think he'll take over in the second half of this fight. I, I see Aguilar winning this fight. Next up, the fight I'm probably looking forward to the most besides the main event. Mag- Magomed Mustafev, who's 14 and 3, is a minus 145 favorite. He is fighting Brad Riddell, who's 7 and 1. He's a plus 115 underdog. Magomed, I did a lot of research on because he was originally supposed to fight Don Madge when Don Madge fought last. Um, pulled out, had an arm injury. He's been battling an arm injury for, for quite some time. We haven't seen him in a while. His only loss in UFC is to Kevin Lee. Explosive striker, good on the ground. Your typical Dagestani Russian, you know, he'll grapple you, but he also has some really spinning, spent, uh, special spinning kicks and shit, and he has big power. He's built pretty big. Brad Riddell impressed me on his UFC debut. One of the few video picks I got right last year, I picked him to beat Jamie Malarkey in his very, very close fight. Malarkey, different body type than Magomed. Magomed short, stout, thick as shit. Malarkey was tall and skinny. Uh, Riddell looked really good. He had active hips. He had quick hips. Malarkey would go for takedowns. Riddell was out of there. He comes out of city kickboxing. He's like the striking coach. He's got world-class Muay Thai. Um, Magomed is going to stand with this guy for a little bit and then probably find out once he takes a kick to his damaged arm or a body or something, that he's going to want to work some takedowns. I like Brad Riddell's takedown offense, at least in the first two rounds. I think this fight all depends on how good a shape Brad Riddell is in because he gassed a little bit in the Malarkey fight. I saw him at the stare downs yesterday. He looked a little drawn out. He looked a little, he was cutting weight, obviously, and he looked a little sucked out. He's pretty beefy for a lightweight, short, but muscly. That first round is going to be a problem for Magomed, I think. I think he's going to want to strike. He's going to throw his little spinning shit. I think Riddell's going to crack him with a body kick, leg kick. Magomed goes, oh, shit, I have wrestling. Let me try to take this down. So that's where this fight's going to be won for either guy. If Riddell can stop him, keep him on the feet, I like it. But again, Magomed's not incompetent on his feet. He's powerful. I just don't think his technique is as good as uh, Riddell. But I'm, I'm, I'm a homer. I'm a hometown guy. I'm not from New Zealand, obviously, but... I'm going to go with the hometown kid. I like the number next to his name. Plus 115 is beautiful. This could be a very, very competitive fight. I love this fight. Um, in my opinion, this fight should be co-main event. But this is a really, really good fight. Drinking in the mic. That's uh, podcast 101. No, no. But I break the rules. Huh. All right. Brad Riddell as your underdog. Underdog. Got to play it again. I, I got thrown off. Next up. Marcus Rodrigo de Lima, who is 16 and 6 and 1. He's a minus 155 favorite. He is fighting Benson Soli, who's 7 and 2. He's a plus 125 underdog. This is a big underdog for a lot of people. I think this line maybe has moved. A lot of people have picked 
Sassoli here. Okay, Sassoli's still a, a, a significant underdog. I like that. Um, I'm going to go to Lima. I'm not going to bury the lead here. I don't love this fight. I'm not really sure why it's so high up on the card. Again, like if you're if you're like 225, 230, and you're a heavyweight amateur or a pro heavyweight that hasn't made it to UFC yet, and you're like 3-0, 4-0, and you're thinking about maybe losing some weight and dropping down to 205, maybe even 185, don't do it. Just stay at heavyweight because you're going to get put on prime spots. You'll get signed to the UFC quicker than you would. Well, I guess light heavyweight you would get signed too, but heavyweight division is such a joke with some of these mid kind of range guys. I mean, neither of these guys are ranked and they're the, you know, they're three fights away from the main event. That doesn't make any sense. Lima, he's gonna come out, he's gonna look good in the first round. He's gonna try to knock you out. He doesn't. It's over. Sassoli really disappointed me. I really wanted him to knock out Greg Hardy. He didn't. He looks a little sometimes gun shy, right? Uh Lima was a 205. He's going up to heavyweight. Size won't be that big of an issue, even though Lima's gonna be a little bit taller. Sassoli has decent boxing, decent kicks. A lot of people say, oh, get it to the ground or win. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I think they're gonna stand up. Lima's got to catch him in the first round and he won't win. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Lima. I don't like this fight. I'm not going to bet this fight. Um, it could be action-packed. It could make me eat my words. But my advice for up-and-coming guys who are maybe like 230, 240 and carry a little belly fat and they're like, man, I need to get down to 205. I need to get down to 185 maybe. If you're over six feet tall, stay at heavyweight. Just bulk up and, and maybe turn that fat into some muscle. Stay at heavyweight. I mean, I know you might have to fight Francis Ngani one day, and that might make you shit your pants, but you're going to get in the UFC way quicker, and you're going to get put on prime spots on cards because people love heavyweights for some reason. I, you know, I mean, I do. I like a good heavyweight fight, but not not this fight. All right, next up, Carolina Kavalkiewicz. Hello. 12 and 5, so plus 175 underdogs. She's fighting Zhang Yan. No idea that's her name. She's 11 and 1, 225, minus 225 favorite. Uh, Jan obviously trains out of China. Hopefully uh, she's okay. I don't know what happened with her training camp. I don't know if she trains with uh, Zhang Wali or not. Very, very talented girl. I saw her fight Angela Hill last time out, and she looked really, really good. Carolina, I think, has checked out. Carolina has good striking, but I feel like she has made comments in the past where it's like now or never. She wants to start a family, one foot in, one foot out type deal. I think she's going to finish her contract and then maybe move on. People do need to make money, though, but she hasn't really impressed me her last time out. I think the last time she fought, I bet on her. I lost, and I said I'll never do it again. Carolina, I love you. I'm a married man, but you can marry one of my friends so I can look at you all the time if you're available. Um, but I'm going to go with Jan here. I think Jan is just a, a com more complete fighter and, and is going to get this fight wherever she wants and uh, win the fight. All right, next up, Jimmy Crute, 10-1, plus 110 underdog versus Michael Olasechek, who is 14-3. He's a minus 140 favorite. I have a problem with Jimmy Crute, right? So I did a video pick of Jimmy Crute, and it was one of my very first video picks, and he was fighting Misha Serkinov, and I had him to win. Very close fight. I put a lot of money on him, and he lost. And the reason he lost wasn't because Misha had better skill, which he did. Misha has better skill on the ground, but Jimmy Crute kept going to the ground. He gassed out and uh, looked like complete shit. His fight IQ was absolute garbage. And uh, I couldn't believe he got choked out. I was stunned, right? So I told myself I'd never bet against Jimmy Crute. He's been posting videos online of training, and he looks pretty good. Michael Olesic, I can't pronounce his next name. I'm going to go Michael. Um, he's known for his body shots, right? He got stopped by OSP his last time out. OSP is a huge underdog. I nailed it, by the way. 
uh, OSP choke. I'm not going to call it the Von Flew choke. It's the OSP choke. He got choked out. He completely gassed when he couldn't knock out OSP in the first round. And uh, he got taken to the ground and, and and just wore out. I think he learned from that. I think that was a big learning experience from Jimmy Crute, sliding underdog here. He's an Australian kid. He's a young kid. He's 10 and 1. He might be a little hungry to come back from after losing for the first time. I'm going to go with Michael here. I'm going to go with the favorite. I kind of like Crute early in the week, but he burned me and I hold grudges. And uh, so I can't consciously bet him. And it's a really, really close fight. I actually might take Michael here. I might do a parlay with Michael. I do think it's going to be a really tough first round for Jimmy Crute. He's been putting a lot of stuff on his Instagram where he's been getting body shot. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to get dropped by a body shot. Watch him get dropped by a body shot, right? Yeah, it's one thing to get hit with 16-ounce gloves on when you're training with guys. But when this dude with four-ounce gloves finds your liver, you might be uh, you might be singing a different tune. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. I think Crute has to survive that first round, and then he needs to weather some storms maybe early in the second. And I think he's got it. I think Michael learned stuff from OSP. OSP is a big 205-er, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I just think Michael's gonna is gonna put it together, but I'm not confident. I just said I was gonna bet it. I'm all over the place with this fight. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I have till tomorrow to think about it, but my official picks could be Michael. All right, main event. Super excited for this main event. Paul Felder, the Irish Dragon, aka the Iron Lung. Shout out John Anik. 17 and 4, plus 120 underdog fighting Dan Hooker, 19 and 8, minus 150 favorite. Boy, I love this fight. This fight can go so many different ways here. They're both intense dudes, they both look to be in incredible shape. Dan Hooker is a big 55er. Paul Felder's even bigger 55er. Um, both these guys, there was like a little bit of a call out months ago when Hooker fought. This is a good fight for both guys right now. Um, they're both ranked six and five. This makes perfect sense. Sucks that Paul Felder had to go all the way, all the way to New Zealand to fight Hooker. They needed a main event for this fight, though. You're the first main event, Dan Hooker's first main event. Paul Felder has went on record and said that leg kicks don't bother him that much, right? He, he has said that in interviews. I've heard him say it. He said, leg kicks don't bother me that much. I got big legs. I'm used to taking them. Dan Hooker used really, really good leg kicks against Ally Quinta the last time out. I feel like that's going to be a big strategy coming to this fight. However, Paul Felder really, has really good kicks as well. He, uh, Dan Hooker, that is, got ripped to the body and to the legs by Edson Barboza and got TKO'd in that fight just by body shots. He took some headshots too, but his body and legs were ripped up. Paul Felder seen that fight. Paul Felder just beat Edson Barboza. He's felt those kicks. Paul Felder has good kicks. The strategy for both these guys, in my opinion, is Dan Hooker is going to use his long boxing. Paul Felder is going to use his body kicks and leg kicks. Hooker will throw some kicks as well, but we'll see if Felder can check them or if they affect him at all. Those That low calf kick that really fucked up Ali Quinta last time out for Hooker was, it looked bad news. Bad news all over it. Um, it's such a competitive fight though. I like both these guys so much. Paul Felder guy, I feel like he's been around for a while, but he's really only, ha- he only has 21 fights. This will be his 22nd fight. Dan Hooker has more fights in him, uh, which is surprising to me. Uh, good commentator, smart guy. The only issue I have now, see, I always dive into like the mental part of these things, right? I, I watch a lot of fighter interviews. I go back and I rewatch fights and then I stay for the post fight interview. I didn't love Felder's post-fight against Barboza, right? He's very emotional because he lost to Barboza early in his career. He got that win back, very close fight. But he kind of came out and said, like, I don't need to be doing this. I could be acting. I could be commentating. I do this because I love it. I, I don't want, I only want to fight the best of the best, the champions and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I don't feel like Paul Felder has maybe earned to say that, right? 
His he doesn't have a signature win. Edson Barboza would be his signature win. He's you know lost a few times in the UFC. Great record, great fighter, but I don't know if he's at the point in his career. It's not like he's won the title or he's even fought for the title. It's not like you know he hasn't reached the top of the mountain. For him to already kind of talk about, I have other options. Really makes me pause. Right? I go, well, why doesn't if he has all these other options, all these other obligations? He wants to be an actor. He, I mean, he he. Was went to acting school or something like that before he became a fighter, um, and then he's doing the commentary for the UFC. If you have all these options, I don't know if you're focused on fighting. Dan Hooker is only focused on fighting. His post-fight interviews, he wants to fight the best of the best. Makes no excuses. He comes out of that camp. He teaches. He teaches kids at that city kickboxing camp. He's like one of the team captains essentially at that fucking camp. And he's New Zealand, right? He's New Zealand known. He's the hometown kid. That's why he got the main event. His skills are off the charts. I think a lot of people when they when they say, "Oh, who's Khabib's biggest problem going to be?" A lot of people point to Justin Gaethje, right? Because Justin Gaethje has a wrestling background. He's kind of a wild guy. I think Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's takedown defense looked vicious against Ali Quinta, and his leg kicks look great. I mean, I, Khabib's a completely different animal, but. This camp, the city kickboxing camp, has like a different level to it. I really don't know how Paul Fudder is going to win this fight. I'm going to pick Dan Hooker, minus 150. I love that line. It's going to stay close. I don't think Dan Hooker is going to go much higher than that. I just think Hooker is going to pick away at him at the from far away, and I think he's going to fucking chip away enough where there's a cut opening up. I don't know if he's going to finish Felder, and if he does, I think it might be by like choke or something. I think Felder might maybe get roughed up to the legs or to the head and and, and couldn't really can't really find his distance to get a little frustrated maybe shoot in and i think hooker might might get a neck um if it finishes if not i think hooker's gonna win a decision i think it's gonna be very competitive in the beginning and then one of them's gonna take over my money's on hooker taking over in the later rounds but it's gonna be a fucking banger a cracker of a fight so that's it that's ufc auckland um i'm excited for it saturday and then we got the big boxing match all right, so I gave you my underdog lock of the night with Emil Meek. I really like Brad Verdell too. And if you get Kevin Aguilar as a, as a plus, I like that as well. Um, those are my three really solid, solid bets. My favorite, absolute favorite of the night is going to be, I'm going to go Zane over Carolina. I think that's a really good favorite. And I'm going to go... I'm loving it. And I'm going to go, oh, man, Angela Hill. So two of the women, right? Zayn and Angela Hill, my locks of the night. Bet those. They're beefy. They're both in the plus two or minus 200s. That's a little high, but those aren't going to be my best bets. Parlay them. Put a lot of money on it. Put 200 bucks. Put two grand bucks. Put 200,000 on it. I think both those ladies are going to get the job done. I like both those uh, as the locks of the night. People chirp me. Uh, oh, not people. A person chirped me and said I don't pick women enough as a as locks in the night and uh i felt a little triggered by that <laughs> you call me sexist i don't think so all right so that's it that's the show we'll be back next week i'm gonna have double dose shows i'll recap the weekend i'll recap the boxing i'll recap auckland and then we'll have the pick for norfolk we're gonna kind of new flyweight champion and then the week after that we're gonna have sealed seal Take six, it's a hard name to say, with Devin again, where we just, you know, it was like the old show. If you aren't listening to that, go listen to that. We'll have another one the week of uh, the fight with UFC 248 with my boy Izzy. That's the show. Anything else, Brian? 
MMA Takes Podcast on Instagram, MMA Takes Podcast, MMA Takes Podcast on, I think I just switched it on Twitter. So on Twitter, it's MMA Takes and MMA Takes Podcast on both now. So just follow the podcast. Website's dead. RIP website. Uh, let's go. Escort this gentleman to the door. Do you see that shit? Who is that guy? He's good. He's real good. The name is Dolph.